the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we continue in chapter 11 of Romans, Paul finishes his point concerning Israel, which we've been talking about, that though they had rejected God, he never rejected them. They are still his people and called to his purposes. They are still the nation that he called to himself. And one day they'll be restored as the nation of blessing. So today we're going to try to finish the chapter Chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 30. If you all read along with me, Romans chapter 11, verse 30 through 36. Just as you were once disobedient and rebellious towards God, but now have obtained his mercy through their disobedience, so they also now are being disobedient when you are receiving mercy, that they in turn may one day, through the mercy you are enjoying, also receive mercy that they may share the mercy which has been shown to you through you as messengers of the gospel to them. But God has consigned, pinned up all men to disobedience, only that he may have mercy on them all alike. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable, unsearchable, are his judgments, his decisions, and how untraceable, mysterious, undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, his paths. For who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has understood his thoughts, or who has ever been his counselor, or who has first given God anything that he might be paid back, or that he could claim a recompense? For from him and through him, And to him are all things. For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him. And all things center in and tend to consummate and end in him. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So be it. Now, Paul's coming to the end of his argument. He's coming to the end of the argument that says that Israel was not put away forever. That Israel was only set aside for a time. And you think about Paul and what you know about Paul, if you know anything, you know that that he was a devout Jew. 
And even in this ministry to the Gentiles, he is still very much in touch with who he is as a Jew. So it had to be somewhat painful for him to make the point that the Jew, his people, literally rejected God. They turned their back on their Messiah. They turned their back on Jesus Christ, who had come to be their Messiah. And they had forsaken the place of blessing that God had intended for them as being the ambassadors to the world for the gospel. To introduce Christ the Messiah to the Gentile world. They had stepped away from that position and it was forfeited to the Gentiles who received Christ. And as they received Christ, they were blessed in the spreading of the gospel. And we are still living in that church age today where the gospel is being preached around the world. Now, in verse 30, Paul shows that both Jew and Gentile are shown the same mercy and come to God by grace. Both are equally lost. Both are equally rebellious. Both are equally disobedient. If you look at that verse, it says, Just as you were once disobedient and rebellious towards God, but now have obtained His mercy through their disobedience. Now, he says the word once, just as you were once disobedient. So, you're assuming at that point that all the Gentiles no longer disobey God in any way, right? Isn't that what you're assuming? Is he talking about behavior or identity at that point? He's talking about identity. He is saying, you are no longer the sons of disobedience. You are no longer birthed from disobedience. You are now a child of God. You are no longer enslaved to rebellion. You are no longer the servants of rebellion. That's no longer who you are. But just as you were these things, you once were these things, and God granted you grace and showed you mercy, He will show that to the Jew. He says, and rebellious toward God, and now have received His mercy through their disobedience. Now, what's he saying there? It's very simple. Because they rejected God, you, get this, because they rejected God's mercy, you have received His mercy. Now, we go back to the overarching point that God's intention was not to put away Israel forever but that the gospel go forward and it was to be Israel's blessing to begin the preaching and the sharing of the gospel. They rejected the blessing. They rejected the mercy of God. And therefore it came to the Gentiles. So we come to verse 31. So it says, So they are now being disobedient, speaking of the Jew, when you are receiving mercy. Now they, in turn, may one day, through mercy, the mercy you're enjoying, also receive mercy, that they may share the mercy that has been shown through you as messengers of gospel to them. Now, look at this. He says, now they are being disobedient when you are receiving mercy. Now, that's what he's speaking of is a present tense. It means that you are constantly receiving mercy. 
Now, what does that tell you? Does that tell you that you're just this, this sinner saved by grace and you're constantly, God's constantly having to come along and deliver you? Let me tell you, do you know what mercy truly is? Mercy is the activity of the Spirit of God in you. Mercy is the activity of the Spirit of God in your circumstance. Mercy is the overriding sovereignty of God in your life. Mercy is working all things together for good. Mercy is taking the consequences of bad behavior and granting you grace in the midst of them. Mercy is not God helping a poor sinner along the way. That's not mercy. Mercy is ascribed to his children. He's showing, in this verse, he's showing mercy to his children. Now, what he's saying to you is, you are receiving mercy. What does he mean by that? That means that everything you're receiving, you're receiving by grace. You're receiving because God has determined to give you these things. And while you're receiving mercy, while you're receiving His grace, while you have received the salvation of the Lord, while you have received His blessing, these over here, because of their disobedience, have set out. Now, how many times have we said around here that sin punishes sin? Well, we say it all the time. Well, what's the truth of it? The truth of it is that God does not have to put us in chains. God does not have to rain judgment down upon us when we decide that we are not going to walk in truth. Simply walking according to the flesh will punish itself. And this is an example of this where the Jew literally stepped outside of the mercy of God, the grace of God. They stepped aside of it and they rejected it. They rejected it. Well, rebellion, sin, punishes sin. They were disobedient. The Gentiles were receiving mercy. Now, you are receiving mercy. You're enjoying mercy that they in turn may one day, through mercy, the mercy you're enjoying, may also receive mercy. What's he saying there? He's saying that one day the nation of Israel will look upon you and upon the manifestation of the word become flesh in your life. They will see the fruits of the Spirit. They will see the activity of God in your life. They will see the, the relationship that you have with Him. And they will see the witness borne out to them through your life. This is when they are going to call out. This is when they are going to receive. The Jew was, a, was disobedient and rebellious in their rejection of God's salvation. They rejected his mercy. They rejected his grace. Now, this is not God's plan gone bad, is it? It's not God's plan gone bad. But God's plan moving forward in the choices of men. They, the Jews, were disobedient while you, the Gentiles, are receiving mercy. So that they may one day in turn receive the mercy that you have received. And that mercy, that witness of mercy, is through the witness of the word become flesh in the Gentile. The manifestation of spiritual fruit, of the redeemed. They will seek mercy. They will call out to their Messiah. And at that point, 
They will be given eyes to see and ears to hear. Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace or unmerited favor and supplication. And they shall look earnestly upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one who is in bitterness for his firstborn. It'll be like in the days of Pentecost where the Spirit of God is poured out among men. Only this time it'll be the Jews who receive. It'll be the Jews who accept God's grace and mercy. And it will come at a time when they are ready to receive. Now listen, this is an important principle. There are people in your life that you so want to know and understand the truth of your God. And it seems like it doesn't matter what you say to them, or what book you give them, or what cassette you hand them, or what CD you give them. It doesn't matter what you do, they are not hearing it. Now listen, I'm not negating that God may have told you to give them that. Everything is a means to an end, and I believe that God uses it all. But I do know this, that it won't be until the soil is prepared for the seed that the seed will be received. So don't be discouraged. Obedience in, in reaching out to people is not closing the deal. Now put it in sales terms. It is not closing the deal. It is you literally being obedient to extend the truth of Christ to them. That's all it is. And if you really want to know the truth of it, it is you literally being you. It doesn't have to be anything special. If God wants to make it special, He can make it special. These Jews that are literally redeemed, are redeemed at the time that they are willing to see the Messiah for who He is. They had literally given eyes to see and ears to hear in a time of desperation, in a time when, when they have no other hope. They turn to Him. And they don't just turn to Him passively. They turn to Him with passion to call Him their own. Romans 11.32 says, The Jewish rebellion and disobedience is like that of all men. Paul makes that comparison. Their rebellion is no greater than anybody else's. Rejection of God is rejection of God, whether you do it with profanity or you just do it by turning your back and walk away. They are in just as much need as the Gentile who rejects, and the Gentile who rejects is in just as much need as the Jew. Because in the end, we're all born without him. In the end, we are all born, in the beginning, we are all born in Adam. With a need for life. If we don't recognize our need for life, the time will come when the Spirit of God will bring an impression upon us that says, you know what, there's no life in this world. I've been trying to suck water out of a rock. I need life. I need life. And the Spirit of God will give us an opportunity to say yes, but we may turn our back and say no. Galatians three twenty two, But the Scripture pictured all mankind as sinners, shut up and imprisoned by sin, so that the inheritance, the blessing, which was promised through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, might be given, released, delivered, committed to all those who believe, who adhere to and trust in, and rely on Him. 
You see, in verse 32, where it says, For God has consigned, pinned up all men to disobedience, only that he may have mercy on them all. For God has consigned, pinned up all men to disobedience, only that he may have mercy on his own. Many have misinterpreted this as Paul endorsing the heresy of universalism. But that's not what's going on there. Paul is saying that all who believe will receive. All who do not believe will be rejected. He, all men are born in disobedience. So that he may have mercy on them all. He's saying, I want to have mercy on them all, but it'll be man's choice. It boils down to man's choice. Man chooses obedience or disobedience, acceptance or rejection. Again, we must choose. We are all born in sin, but to all who believe, there is salvation through Christ. Now, one commentator wrote, Man's sin, manifested in his willful disobedience, provides a means for God to demonstrate the magnitude and graciousness of his mercy. Where there is no disobedience, there would be no need, and there could be no expression of God's mercy. To reveal himself as merciful, he permitted sin. He shut up all the whole world, Jew and Gentile, in disobedience and unbelief, in order that he might show mercy to all who repent of their sin and to turn him for gracious salvation. Now, this is a plan of God. The plan of God is to allow sin. I did not say cause sin. I said allow sin. To allow sin to awaken us to our need. Now, this is the thing that he does with us, and it is so marvelous, is that he doesn't just meet our need. He goes beyond our need for mercy. He goes beyond our need for grace, and he literally gives us life. He's not addressing just our, our circumstance. He's addressing our need for life. And he comes and he gives us a new life, a life that is born into the plan of God, a life that is literally born into the mercy and the grace of God. So he addresses the situation by literally changing who we are. We call out in our circumstance, we say, I need a God, I need a Savior. And he comes to us and he brings us life, salvation in life through Jesus Christ. Well, that's so much greater because a lot of people believe that their salvation is when they cry out unto the Lord. I'm not talking about salvation into heaven. I'm talking about salvation in circumstances. A lot of people believe that their salvation is when they cry out to the Lord and God comes into their circumstances and delivers them. That's the way it seemed to work in the Old Testament. They called out to the God of their salvation, right? But the new covenant is this. I will save you to the uttermost. Literally, I will give you a life that's already saved. We call out to the truth of who we are in Christ. And we recognize that we're in the plan of God in every circumstance. I no longer believe that I have to call God into my circumstances to change them in order for them to be livable. I believe that I'm in the circumstance, the plan of God, because he allowed me to be there and he is there with me. And he is my salvation. He's not going to be my salvation. He is my salvation. Sin always allows us to see our need. God allows sin in order for us to see the contrast between life and death. 
To reveal himself as merciful, he permitted sin. From death to life, from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from separation to union. It is in our need that salvation is realized and invited. Now, Paul gets past this place where he's talking about Israel. And he's talking about how Israel is going to be saved. How Israel literally is going to be delivered. And I believe that Paul, in the midst of this revelation, he's writing under the, under the, the dictation of the Spirit of God. In the midst of all of these things, as he writes this out, he gets to this place where we are now in verse 33. And he makes this declaration. Because God has given him a vision. Now, remember, as you look through chapter 11, Paul's giving you an overview of what's going to happen in the life of Israel. He has, a, he has almost like what we'd call a helicopter view that God has given him. And he's writing it out as prophecy. And as he begins to take in the landscape of the life of the Jew, then he begins to see how God has intimately worked all the details. And he makes this cry out. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable, unsearchable are his judgments, his decisions. And how untraceable, mysterious, undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, and his paths. Now listen, this is Paul. This is Paul. I mean, this guy wrote a good bit of this book. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He had visions. He had all of this knowledge that God had revealed to him. And he says, he just cries out and he says, wow. The richness, the unfathomable depth of this God. And he says this in relationship or in the context of what he sees in the life of the Jew. But you know what he's saying here? He says, the God that has shown me mercy, the God that has shown me grace, the God who has delivered me from this unbelief, the God who has taken the sinner Saul and created in him the Paul that you see today, the God that is literally expressing his life through me, that God is going to reach out and do the same thing for my brothers and sisters. He's going to do this for the Jew. Now, if anybody saw the conversion of the Jew as being impossible, it might have been Paul. Because everywhere he went, he was persecuted by the Jews. He made a college try every time he'd come into a city. He would go to the synagogue. He would attempt, up until the point he got to Romans, he would attempt to convert the Jews. And always met with persecution. Always met with, with all manner of rejection. If anybody would see it as impossible, Paul would see it. But that's how he knew how great a miracle God was talking about. What a great vision God was showing him. And that's why he turns and he says, how, how marvelous, how absolutely unbelievable this is. How God can literally work around the stubborn rebellion of the Jew and the Gentile. To create for himself people of God. He cries out with joy as he remembers his own salvation. He is overjoyed with the knowledge that his people will know the grace and mercy that he has known. 
He is overwhelmed by the wisdom of God in his dealings with man. The depths of his immeasurable love and grace that is worked into the lives of all that will receive. Paul has learned the treasure of the revelation of God. Now, you see passion in this verse. I mean, you see, you see emotion in it. I mean, to, to whatever degree you can put that in literature and writing, Paul has done that. Now, many times we read that and we just kind of discount it as, well, Paul's the super saint, and after all, you know, God's on top of him there, and, you know, he's in the, he's in the presence of God. I, I can say, listen, I want to tell you something. Paul didn't create that passion. Paul didn't create that emotion. Paul did not put all of that together. He didn't come to a place where he determined he was going to feel this way about God. What you're seeing right there is the result of a man who is literally living his life in the context of Christ, his life. Christ is at the center of all things for Paul. And Paul is growing in his revelation of who Christ is. And at every step, Paul is crying out, Wow! Wow! How great! How unsearchable! We live... In the mystery of God's plans, knowing only that we are held by His love and are made new by His grace, it is this mystery that invites our faith, our determination to trust and believe and worship. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.